and the duties of of adoption. Let's see where we want. Where do we want to start? Uh, we read Galatians four. Um, let's go to Romans eight because Romans eight really makes it clear as far as the privileges or inheritance. And we we spoke about inheritance this morning, but didn't get didn't really get to touch into the details of. Of what we have inherited. So, okay, so we'll, we'll do this. We'll read it in Romans 8. And then I want to flip real fast to Ephesians 1 to show you this beautiful verse in, in Ephesians 1 about inheritance. So Romans 8 verse 14. Now remember, we're talking about adoption. Being brought into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We hammered that home this morning. You're, you cannot call yourself a child of God apart from the Spirit of God being poured into your hearts. And we'll look at that again here in a little bit. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, here's where we see that we're heirs and we're awaiting an inheritance. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I want to stop there and not read the rest of it. Provide we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified. I did read it, but I could spit. There's just so much in that verse. But here, I just wanted to see that you have the spirit. You've got the spirit of adoption. You're called sons of God. Uh, the spirit bears witness that we are children of God. And if children, then we're also heirs. And if we're heirs, we're co-heirs with Christ. Now, we looked at Psalm 2, and part of Jesus' inheritance was what in Psalm 2? The nations. The nations. Which is just a good way of saying Everything. Right. This is his everything is. And when he returns, when he returns to this earth and he steps foot on this on this uh, on this new earth, it will be fully his. And he will reign as king Uh, and as heirs with him, we will reign with him. It's really an interesting thought to have now. Put your finger in Romans 8 and look at – just stay there. I'll read this to you so you don't have to flip over. Listen to what Paul says when he starts talking about how awesome our inheritance is. He says, um, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he's, he's praying for on behalf of the Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of knowledge in him, of him. So Paul wants to pray for the Ephesians, and this is also going to be for you as well, that you get a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. And this is why, to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Now hear this. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, I don't know about y'all, but 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Sounds pretty amazing. But it sounds even more amazing when you realize the only way to comprehend it is by God giving you a wisdom to understand. Which means, apart from the divine work of God, it is impossible to wrap your mind on the abundance of of what God has for us in Christ. You cannot wrap your mind around it. But Paul says, I'm going to pray to God that you can give that you can get a taste of it now. Of course, but what does 1 Corinthians chapter 2 say? I has not seen nor ear heard, right? Oh man. Like and we talked about it uh, a few a few a few Sunday evenings ago. It you know, it's When we talk about what we're going to inherit on that final day, it's not just about stuff and things. The streets of gold are going to be great. The mansions are going to be wonderful. But that ain't it. That's just like chunk change of what we are actually going to inherit. We're going to inherit, one, number one, go back to Romans 8. We are going to be in, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to make this about inheritance now and then because it's we we have we have part of it now and we will receive the rest of it then. But here let's just focus on what we know that we have. All right, what we know that we have as children of God. And this is I want you to I want you to think about this. Adoption only makes sense as you read these scriptures. With the giving of the Spirit of God. Now I want you to I want you to comprehend, and I've been praying that we comprehend how rich we are because we have the Spirit of God. Like, man, number one, it 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 causes our new birth, right? It is the thing. Remember John one that we become children of God, not born of flesh, nor the will of man, nor the will of the will of fle- uh, the will of man, but of God. That is because God has given us His Spirit. He has caused us to be born again. But when He gives you His Spirit, that's only, uh, or it's only when you have the Spirit of God in you that you can live a life and please God. Only, and we'll go ahead and step it even further, sort of. Press it. If you're not living in the Spirit, you cannot please God. That's why He gave Him to you, right? Remember Ezekiel 36? I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will I will put my spirit within you. And this is what he says: to cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my rules. That's the only way. Is being led by the Spirit of God, and that's Romans eight is a, is a lot. It talks a lot about that, and we won't go too far in that. And so, part of what we receive as sons and daughters of God in Christ is the is the ability to please our Father. And then number two, also connected to the Spirit of God. Is to actually understand him. Now, we dads, we know we've given many instructions to our kids, and we probably weren't the clearest. 
and they were looking at us like, what are you talking about? Like, I know you're telling me to do something, but you're not communicating it correctly. I don't understand what you're saying. Well, that's why God gave us his spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 says, no one understands the thoughts of a person, but the spirit of the person. And that's why the dad's saying, it's so simple. I'm telling you what to do. Why are you not doing it? Because we got it in here. We're just not telling it the right way. So if we could somehow like send our thoughts into the thoughts of our kids or whoever we're instructing, we, we could get them to do what we wanted to do or communicate what we wanted to communicate. That's why God gave us a spirit. Because apart from the Spirit, you cannot comprehend or understand the things of God. Let's just look at the passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'd be to the left. I'm sorry, to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this, and it, it, it starts, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where we're going to look at actually starts with that passage. No eye has seen nor ear heard nor man or heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And so you're like, so we can't make this excuse. Well, I don't I don't. I don't read or study scripture because no one can understand or, or search the depths of God. Well, no, we'll never get to the end, but we can swim as far as we can. And that's what God expects of us. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. So what does he say? What does he mean when he says the natural person? The person not born again, right? The person not justified. The person not adopted to the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Actually, they are foolishness. They are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. That sounds a lot like what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees in John 8 this morning, he's like, you can't hear me because you don't have the ears to hear. You don't have the spirit in you to comprehend. You can't hear the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. Um, so let's go back to Romans 8. And when you get there, look at verse 7. This is a really straightforward these next these two verses seven and eight are really straightforward and kind of kind of hard to hard pill to swallow. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Now that would feel like that natural person, right? From First Corinthians chapter two, that would feel that, that kind of seems like what that would feel like. For the for it does not submit to God's law. Here it is. Indeed, it cannot. 
So a mind that's not led by the Spirit cannot submit to God's law. So what do you think it then is the the what would follow from there? Well, verse eight, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, when we see when we talk about all people being sinners, it is so true. We're all sinners. But then when we talk about Christians who make the excuse in their sin, well, we're all not we're all sinners and we can't please God. No, with the spirit of God dwelling in you, you actually can, because that's why he gave you his spirit is so that he you could please him. That's exactly why he did. And he gives you his spirit so that you know and can comprehend his thoughts, his word, his law. In order to please him. Um, all right, now one more thing we have as sons and daughters of God through the Spirit, and that's verse 26. I'm going to have to move a little faster. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, thank the Lord. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Makes perfect sense, especially when you consider 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Makes perfect sense. So it's wonderful that, that God has given us the Spirit. Well, I'm trying to connect too many dots here if I go down that road. All right, number two. So part of what we have received as heirs, sons and daughters of God is the Spirit of God. The second is a Father who loves us perfectly. And I think this one we we forget about or we sort of take for granted. As adopted into the family of God, we have a Father who loves us perfectly. For uh, uh, 15, back in 8. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is a term of endearment. It's a term that would be communicated through a a good relationship of a father and a son. We come to the Father by the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ with joy, delight, Seeking comfort, wisdom, and guidance. Right? Now, how would someone, the natural person, the person not adopted into the family of God, an unbeliever, how do you think they would feel if they were to approach God? Terror. Very afraid. And I think I might have mentioned it this morning. When Christ returns, they'll be so afraid that they will call for the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from God. Right? That's that's suicidal. They would rather the mountains fall on them, per revelation, I'm not, I can't remember what chapter it is, than to face God. But not us. We're like, please come. Please come. So we 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 have this only adopted 
only through adoption, only through being brought into the family of God through Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Um, okay, let's see. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Say that again. We're all creatures. God made us all. Mm-hmm. We're all creatures of God. But till Jesus comes and we to love Jesus and we become the family of God then. All who are in Christ are the family of God. Yeah. Yeah. But if you know, he made us all. Right. Not everybody is gonna accept Jesus. Right, and there, yeah, and the the passage we looked at this morning, you know, made a clear distinction between those who are not in the family of God and those who are are in the family of God, and those who are in the family of God are united to Him by faith in Christ, and they can claim or God as their Father. And the thing we looked at this morning is that the sad reality of all people outside of Christ, whether it be Cain or Judas. Jesus calls them uh, sons of the devil, right? That's That was how Jesus approached them to help them to understand that they are apart from the blessings of being in the family of God because they are they have denied God, whether it be before Jesus or after. Um, and so the, 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 the thing that we're looking at, this adoption, is the, is the work of Christ, as you say, uh, Bringing us into these blessings of being united to God only through faith in Christ by being born again. So we've got, as children of God, we come to him, Abba, Father. And I, the picture I had in my mind was as, and there's Psalms that talk about sheltering under the wings, right? That's that's the that's the. That's the comfort we have in God. Is we're like we're like little baby birds who find shelter under the wings of their mother, right? That's the shelter. That's the protection we can come to Him and finding, seeking that comfort. We come to Him knowing the truth of verse 28, right? This this is what we we sort of we discussed this earlier in our prayer time. Uh, we know that for those who love God. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Right? He does all things good and he is working all things good together for the good of his children. For those who love him, as the verse says, and those who are called according to his purpose. And so when we when we deal with cancer or car wrecks, or criticism, or all these things in our life that that are horrible. As children of God in Jesus Christ, we can understand that verse 28. The reality is, is all things, whether there it is cancer or car wreck or criticism or anything, that Jesus or that God the Father is working all things together for our good, for our good. Now, in verse 29, shows us even more how perfect our Father is towards us in Jesus Christ. 
has everybody here had a a sibling? Uh, raise your hand if you've had an old if you had an older sibling. Everybody but me and Layla. No, no, and Stephanie. Oh, you didn't raise your hand. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. A few of them. There's quite a bit of you here. But you can remember at some point, maybe not always, you looked up to that older sibling. Maybe for a minute. Maybe not all your whole life, but for a minute. Right? Here's what Jesus, here's what God the Father is doing to his children who have been brought into the family of God. He is making you like your elder brother. He's making you like your elder brother. And it might be through cancer. It might be through a car wreck. It might be through criticism at work. And that's what verse 28 and 29 are telling us. Look at, let's look at it again. Let's read 28 and 29 so we, can, so we can understand this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What glorious news that is. Because I know, I would imagine, like, if you're like me, you realize how how you you fail the Lord. You sin. You wake up, you say something to your spouse or your kids, and you're like, that was not Christ-like at all. You go, I mean, we're, but we can stop and remind ourselves as children of God that the Lord is working on us to making us like his son in this life, not just in the next, but in this life, which goes back to why he gave us his spirit to help us. To help us understand him, to help to help us obey him, and to help us please him. Just as Jesus did what? Perfectly. But is it but here's what's beautiful. Look at the rest of twenty nine. That would be a very selfish religion if that was the only purpose, is to make us like someone. But because this is Christianity and God is glorified more than anything. God is the Father is making us like Jesus for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his glory. Look what it says. In order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. So God has saved us and made us sons and daughters so that we could be more like our elder brother and everybody look at him and say, What a glorious, glorious brother that is. You know what also that means? It means your God, the Father, his love for his children will never fade or diminish or go away. The child of God by faith in Jesus Christ, who have been born again. God loves you because he loves his true son. You understand that? He, he, we leave today and we're going to go sin. And he hates sin. But guess who he loves? 
his son, his beloved, in whom he is well pleased. And so when you and you're like, why did I do that? You don't have to say as a child of God, well, God doesn't love me anymore. No, he loves you because you are in Christ, because you are united with Christ. Right. And there's one thing we have family problems all the time in our lives. And there it might get so bad that you might never speak to a, a sibling or a parent or a child again. But that never happens in the family of God. When you are brought in to the family of God through Jesus Christ and the, and the pouring out of the spirit, nothing can separate you from the love of that family. You have a new name forever. You have a new last name, and it never goes away. This is this is the gloriousness of being adopted into the family of God. And so last, I'm going to give you quickly um, responsibilities. Because when you're in a family, you got chores, right? you got things you got to do. It's not like we just hang out all the time. we got to work for the sake of the family. Now... Um, Depending on where you grew up or how you're raised or what kind of church you went to, sometimes some areas of the world really overemphasize the most important thing in your life is your biological family. And then you might swing the other side and they say, what's most important is your church family. And both sides can go and pull out verses to make their point. Let me give you an example. Um, here's the side that says church family is most important. Here's the verse they would use. Do not think, Jesus speaking in Matthew, do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so that side of the, they'll say, see, church family is more important. Jesus said it. And then the other side would be like, but he didn't really mean it. I'll stand in the middle and said, he really meant it. He really did. And I'm sure some of you have have felt the, the pain and the agony when it comes to your faith and the division that it's made in your household. Or maybe your extended family. Because Jesus says, you must love me, number one, more than you love your husband. More than you love your wife. More than you love your kids. More than you love your grandkids. And for some of you, it might even mean if you love me more than them, that they will hate you for it. But you have Christ. You have the Son, the Father, and the family of God. And so that, Jesus meant what he said. But then, you have Paul telling Timothy something really, really stern. He says this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, 
and especially the members of his household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So this side's like, see, biological family is more important. They're both important. Here's the thing. To pick a side is easy. To stand in the middle and love them both the way you're supposed to is really hard. That's the hardest part. Because you as a mother, a father, a grandmother have responsibilities to your biological family. Biblical responsibilities to your biological family. But being adopted into the family of God, you now have responsibilities for the family of God. And so it's harder to stand in the middle and say, both families are important. I'm called to love one one way, and I'm called to love one another way. Now, I'll be honest. We live, in a, we live in an area where we tend to kind of float to the biological part. And that's because we, that's the sort of history we have. And it's a good history. But we've neglected probably the, the, the family of God part. And it's come – the family of God, the local church has become more kind of cold. We come together on Sundays and maybe in the Sunday nights and maybe on Wednesdays. But, the, but there's no real family, right? There's no brothers and sisters, and so we have to make sure that we we know, and the only way to know this and do this is to know your Bible. Because our calling as members of a biological family and our callings of members of the family of God, how we do that is only found in Scripture. And you can't just say, I just got to love and it'll work its way out. No, it's pretty, it's pretty specific on both sides. And so we have to understand that we have family responsibilities in our biological family, and the family of God. Um, So I'm going to just quickly rattle three off. Number one, family gatherings. You're doing it right now, right? We're gathering together as a family. We did it this morning. And these these are our two most important gatherings. And we cannot neglect to meet together as a family because we need one another. And we need one another together in worship and fellowship. That's why I was so excited. I was sick as a dog Sunday after church, and I sat in that back pew, but I was as full of joy as possible because we had so much family fellowship going on, and it was such a glorious thing. I didn't even need to eat. It was so good. And that we need to be striving for that. Our family gatherings, our 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 weekly family reunions are building our relationships in Christ. In Christ. And we need to continue that. All right. Family gatherings. And then you got to represent your family name well. You got Because we've taught our kids that. You know, you go into public, you're going to be representing your family. Same for Christians. Same for Christians. When we're, anytime we go out and we want our kids... We want to, you know, get our kids ready. All right, you represent the Lord Jesus. You represent the Humphreys. You represent Ozarks Bible Church. You represent all of these. And we have to understand that when we go out into the world, we represent one another. We represent this church. We represent the family of God. We have to represent our family well. And there's a lot of talk in the world today where the where the the family of God had acted pretty foolish in the world. 
And now we kind of have a tainted image because of some people who haven't represented the name of Jesus Christ very well. All right, number three. This one's probably a little controversial. You are your brother's keeper. You are. Remember Cain? After Cain killed Abel? And God's like, Cain, where's Abel? And Cain spouts off, I'm not my brother's keeper. No, you are. He was. You are. We have responsibility for one another. We have such responsibility for one another. Let me just give you two passages. I'll just read them and then we'll be done. Hebrews 3. The language is so clear. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He tells us, God tells us to take care of one another so that we might not fall away. 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. And that's why our family gatherings are so important. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because sin will wrap you up, chew you up, and spit you out. And you'll never know it. You'll never know it. But you come and you gather with your family. The Spirit of God, a song, a verse. Maybe your, maybe your brother or sister in Christ might say something to you. Directly or indirectly, and by the by the power of the Spirit, open your eyes to the, the to the blindness you were that you had in that sin. We need one another. We are our brother's keeper. Now Galatians six, and then I will pray and go. Galatians six. Again, how's he start? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, who's we've I've spent, I've said it quite a bit. Who's spiritual? The ones who have been born again. Those who are of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So it isn't saying those of you who are uber spiritual and can do weird things. No. He's saying if you're a child of God born again by the Spirit of God, it is your responsibility to, to help your brother or sister who are, who's caught in sin. And notice that they're caught in it. They've been caught by it. And so the idea is that you're going to go and help them get out of it. Not go over there and go, nah, 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 nah. but you're going to go grab the, the what is it called? The, uh, the thing that go catch like bears and trap. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to go over there and you're going to get your hands and you're going to pry that. You're going to try your best to pry that trap because they're caught in that sin. And you're gonna, and guess what? You're gonna bleed. And guess what? It might that that person might even bite you. Cause isn't that what they do when they're caught in a trap? But that's what we, we have to do. That we have to do that for one another. 
Because we're brothers and sisters. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. It's our, it's our privilege. I'm turning the duty into a privilege, right? It's our privilege to take care of one another. And we must. Until the Lord comes or we go to Him. Let's pray. Help us, Lord. How far we are from being able to say we represent you well. How far are we from loving one another? How far are we from loving and caring for one another? Teach us. For your sake. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. That's it. Y'all are dismissed.